Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador, Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt on Twitter. I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. DS and I kind of said it at the end of our last podcast, but I guess still worth saying now. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Kurt. Happy New Year to you, sir. What is the... When do you have to stop saying Happy New Year? One week? Yeah, I think you, after a week, days? I think there's there's a, a minor violation in there somewhere. <laughs> okay, so we made it. Yeah. We're technically yeah. recording this we, at night on the 6th. Slid it right in there. Slid it under there. Um, good holidays, all, all, all said and done. Do you really want to know the truth? <laughs> no, I know, I know. Actually, as I was asking the question, I know that you, you had a bad back. and, and I had a bad back went, again. Um, two, yeah. So that's two holidays in a row. I had a bad back for Thanksgiving, bad back for christmas so i was i stayed on the couch and in bed and i stayed nice and liquored up though i will tell you that say we'll keep an eye on you for valentine's day but it would probably be more uh it'd probably be more saint patty's day that would maybe get you yeah maybe there could be uh there could be some correlations there um shout out to our guy dustin shooty obviously uh for helping us out all throughout the year uh we will get ds on again through the spring and summer with certain podcast topics that we'll want Dustin on. So he's obviously still a part of what we want to do. Speaking of additional podcast people, uh, it's at night as, as Kurt and I are recording this earlier this evening, I recorded a podcast with Athlon's Braden Gall. Uh, that will be paired up pretty quickly with this podcast. I did the same old stuff. I always do that. I always say this in my head and I should be smarter than that. But I was like, I think this would be like a half hour, 35 minute podcast. We stretched it out pretty far. Okay. <laughs> it's like an hour and 20 minutes, I think, or something like that. Um, How many times? Like, what was the record for most times on the single argument? Like getting back to the same argument. We've already been we've already gone over this. That's, <laughs> there is some redundancy <laughs> with that. But I think me thinks that. If you are a person that finds uh, uh, interest in SEC versus Big Ten conversation, you're going to like this podcast. Well, there's a lot of content after yes. the bowl season. Um, and, and what I would recommend that you do is listen to his uh, their, their New Year's Day podcast, which I'll say on that podcast as well, which is uh, First and Hungover is the name of the podcast. Okay. So they record and they, they recap the college football playoff games so it's it's ponying off of that podcast that i maybe took an exception to a couple (laughs) things really but it was but it was it 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 brought in a very good conversation i hope you guys enjoy it uh so we will break down all of the bulls here uh some of them very quickly because some of them were well actually they were all last year almost but um some of them seemed like they were even like last season or something like that. They've been so far. So we might not go crazy into breaking down every single detail, but before that, I feel like we got a decent amount of more topical housekeeping items. Yes, sir. Uh, Anyone you want to start out with or? Well, we can start with the coaching stuff. If you want to just dive into that. So one thing that we just thought we had to at least discuss was the exodus from the Minnesota staff. Right. There's been four coaches that have left the Minnesota staff so far. Now, first one, Kenny Burns running back is now the head coach at Kent State. So that's one you kind of like to see from your program. Right. Okay. Next one, Brick Haley, defensive line coach. By the way, great name, Brick. Great D-line coach name. Great D-line coach name. Has left for Purdue. Now, he has connections to Ryan Walters. Okay. Okay. Previous connections to Ryan Walters. So, But it's a lateral move. At best, lateral move. Right. So the next one, Paul Haynes, is the co-defensive coordinators and the d- defensive backs coach going to Wisconsin. Okay. I mean, and again, lateral move. Lateral move, but also has connections to Luke Fickle. Correct. Okay. And then the last one is Kirk Shiraka, the offensive coordinator, is leaving to go to Rutgers no. for the same position. Another lateral move. Is it? Or, well, probably okay. probably step back. Yeah. But, um, but again, he's but got again, ties. Hold on. He has ties to Shiano. Okay. So it is not conspiracy theory-esque for Minnesota fans to explain why each one of these coaches left. There's a pretty solid reason, but that's 40% of your staff. 
And I also think there's probably enough there for the PGA haters, of which there are quite a few across the Big Ten footprint, that are pointing at it and saying, see, this is more proof that people don't want to cohabitate in a, in a football complex with, with PGA. Okay, yeah, that's true. Um, but before we get into that, or if we want to go deeper into that, Shiano needed an upgrade on offense. Desperately needed an upgrade. I think this is an upgrade. Shiraka's has proven. But then Shiraka, can he do the things at Rutgers with their personnel that he was able to do at Minnesota? That when it was really good, when they had Tyler Johnson, when they had Rashad Bateman, when they had Tanner Morgan, when they had Mo behind him and all those weapons, they they could just move the ball at will. You don't have those weapons at Rutgers right now. Yeah. Um Okay. And is Gavin Wimsett that kind of quarterback that can run that system? Another great, another great question. I didn't even think about the Gavin Wimsett avenue to it. That's a that's a great question. Don't have the answer. So if you're a PJ hater, to me, that's the one you you go after. You go after. Yeah. Um, you know, every fan base when they lose a player coach, typically there's a eh. We didn't need him anyways. Yeah. You know, type to it. You love him when he's there until he leaves. We eh, the guy wasn't that good. I'll just say that the offense looked a lot better, obviously, in 2019 with the receivers. Since those receivers haven't been there, and Kirk Shiraka hasn't been there the whole time right. either, I guess what I'm trying to get at is the shining beacon of the offense has been has been Mo Ibrahim. I, I, I feel like when Mo just went out of the bowl, <laughs> the offense took a step back, which we'll break down in a second. Long story short is I wonder if Kirk Shiraka – sort of have looked at what's coming up and has thought to himself, now's a good time to go. Mm. Or is there some sort of situation where maybe PJ is looking for something different in the offense. Well, that could be it too. Where they would need to turn the offense over to Kaliak Manis, make it a more open passing system. Okay. And he needs somebody with the passing, somebody else to come in with the passing schemes. And, and another thing I would point out, doesn't this all set up perfectly for Tanner Morgan to just go right into being the coach? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> you want to talk about a guy that knows your program, looks like he's old enough to start yeah. coaching right now. And by the way, you're seeing younger and younger coaches well, we, hired we on had, some of these staff. And I didn't even mention who they hired, and I, I, I'm sorry, I forgot to write it, but he's, he was a 24-year-old? Yep. I think we got a 24-year-old on Nebraska's staff. Wait, there's a, a 23-year-old now. Okay. Is that May- Nebraska staff, the 23-year-old? He's 23 or 24. Yeah, there's two. There's the Nebraska and Minnesota. One was 23, one was 24. Yeah. I don't remember. Long story short, they're, they're they're both young. They're green. <laughs> Which is crazy. Like, Doesn't have that job at 23? No, that's my point. Do you know the things I was doing when I was 23 years old? <laughs> you don't. And I understand these guys are probably wired different, you know, than me and you were at 23 or 24. But let's be honest. If you, it's a, it's good to have a mix on your staff, anybody's staff yeah. of young and old. I am very much pro, you know, having sure. generations and but different different backgrounds and everything. You want to, you absolutely. want a lot of different. You want diversity is great on a college football staff. Completely agree, but man, there's a lot that I just don't know how you can have figured out at 23. You simply I know lack the experience and mistakes to have been made, which seems like it would be better to make those mistakes at a lower level of some capacity. I will say I had endless energy when I was 23. That's a good point. And and I think probably a lot of times they're, they're banking on them to be good recruiters. Yeah. But like, it seems to be like, they're typically like a running back coach and people go, Oh, it's just a running back coach. Trust me. There's probably a little more that goes into a running backs (laughs) coach than we realize. I mean, for instance, Kenny Burns just got hired. To be a head coach. As running, a running back coach. He was, went from running backs, which is a huge leap, by the way, but went from running backs leap. to head coach. Okay. Uh, the, the other topical uh, coaching news of the couple days has been Jim Harbaugh. I mean, what? Wh- how couldn't we go an offseason <laughs> without rampant Jim Harbaugh rumors? So, I mean, we've had – this is three years in a row now because after the COVID year, they were trying to run him out. Yes. After 2021, he was getting hired everywhere. Yep. Now, kind of the same thing, but now we got a little twist. A little it. twist here. So the NCAA is going to slap some violations, a, a notice of violations on the University of Minnesota. Or I'm sorry, Michigan. 
Football program. Block M's. Both block M's. Both block M's. So this is this is what they're being accused of. The three level two violations, which are fairly minor. Level two is fairly minor. So the first one is contacting recruits during the COVID dead recruiting period. Okay. Second one is watching unauthorized practice. There's there's certain times when the coaches are not allowed to be in contact with the players, like strength and conditioning, that kind of stuff. Apparently they were monitoring the situation, which you're not supposed to do. And then unauthorized coaching. So you have 10 on the staff and there's certain times that like GAs and stuff can be with the team. So they were violating that another very minor, three very minor ones. But then the major one, level one is the NCAA came to talk to Jim and he said, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And they said, yes, you do. And here's another violation. Okay. I got, I got, I, we can't turn this into its own individual podcast, but my, one of my first reactions is, you never see this out of the SEC. This is never going to get and I will say, and there, there are 14 SEC teams. At least 13 of them do this all the time. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think we're conspiracy theorists when we say that. And there's going to be 16, so it's going to be 15 out of 16 at least doing it. <laughs> and, exactly. <laughs> Which uh, Obviously, we know Vanderbilt's maybe the only one that's doing it right. Um, um, the other thing I would say is this is this is a nothing burger it's all a nothing burger and i read a great article on the athletic from ari wasserman where he compared these infractions to how they try to destroy jim Tre- i mean jim tressel was vilified as if he you know robbed banks and, and if i recall time. What he got slapped with was the same level one. Was Correct. was lying. Was was lying about yeah. it. Yeah. Or maybe not telling whole truths. Mike, I mean, look back. You look back on that. Players were selling gear to get tattoos. Who cares? Oh my God. I I, I and, and Kurt. I remember thinking that at was the time. S- that was like, the scandal. Like that was the scandal of the college football year. I, and and then I would team this up with what we know is happening right now, which is tampering through NIL and the transfer portal. It's happening all the time. It's it's openly happening. In fact, Tanner Mordecai found his way to Wisconsin. His dad all but said <laughs> they, they tampered. Now, it, he delicately worded it, but if you go back through and read the article, I'm like, I don't know how they could have had this contact sure. with the Wisconsin coaches until... Until they figured out, yes, this is an option for us. So go ahead and go in the transfer portal. He what he committed to Wisconsin that first day. It, it but we're just gonna turn a blind eye to that. But oh my gosh, getting a hold of a recruit during the stupid COVID rules that were put out there in the first place. Right. This is what we're gonna go after and make a point of. Now I will say there's a bit of hypocritical things going here with the whole quote unquote Michigan man thing. You know, we're better than that. We don't do these things oh, because yeah. we're the no. Michigan man. Okay. I've never bought that. I just want everyone to know. It's. I'll say this. It's getting harder and harder to purchase at this point. So I will say that. But in the end, honestly, I hope Kaki doesn't go. I No, I, I agree Because of the podcast you. and the entertainment value. And I don't know if any of these NFL rumors are real. But if this becomes a thing and it doesn't just kind of go away, which I don't think it's just going to go away. Maybe he is in the NFL next year. Okay, because at that point, if you're if you're Jim Harbaugh, a guy of his stature, essentially you're daring the NCA and your president to do something. Like, what are you gonna do? You you're like, oh, you're gonna fire me? Okay, I'm gone. I'm already wealthy. Why, do, and- why doesn't Michigan? And I know this goes against their Michigan man thing, but just flip a bird to the NCAA. I, you know what? I would have forgot to say that, and I appreciate you saying that. I mean, what are they going to do? They're U- toothless. UNC did it, and they got away with it. Kansas basketball has been Kansas, doing it for 20 years. The Arizona. Why? Do you think Jim is doing that himself here? And, I, I, and, and almost kind of pressuring his university president, whose first name is Santa, by the way. I found that interesting. Was it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and like, he's kind of putting his athletic director and president in a tough spot, which I think the spot is tell the NCAA to pound sand. Yeah, what are I they going to do? As your legal counsel, I recommend you do that. <laughs> I would love to see that. 
And then, it's like you said, what are they going to do? Oh, anybody that plays Michigan, uh, you know, we're going to make you forfeit. And then that those schools say, oh, no, F you. We're going to play them. Just where's the where's the power at? It's not it's with, with the NCAA. It's with us. It is it's, with us. Yes. By the way, if you're a Michigan State or Ohio State fan, I, I understand why you dislike Jim Harbaugh. It's not like he hasn't given you reasons. But as a person that just doesn't hate Michigan, I don't know. I get a kick out of him. That's all. I I mean, I flipped on the guy. I couldn't stand him when he started at Michigan. Okay. I guess I just didn't pay that close attention when he was at Stanford. Sorry. Didn't. But then when he came to Way Michigan, to didn't like him. But he flipped me somewhere along the way. <laughs> I mean, and I love. He's I, amusing. I, I, mean, I enjoy he's everything, everything about him. Yeah. Um, Tanner Mordecai coming to, which we already kind of talked about. So leaving SMU. Interesting because. You 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 talk very highly of Tanner Mordecai. I think we kind of both did, yeah, especially his name. Great name, love that. Name. So Magician. how about how about how about Brick Mordecai? If you could change your name, <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty, or, pretty good. Yeah, it'd have to be Brick Mordecai. I mean, Mordecai is just a great last name, and it it's got. Am I weird that I feel like it has magician type of connotations? To yeah, it? no, there's wizardry behind it. Wizardry, okay. Yeah. Uh, which it might look like to Wisconsin fans from from Grand Mertz to Tanner Mordecai. You want to? I mean, you want to hear something funny? He's if if you transfer the stats, he's by far the touchdown leader in career touchdowns for for uh, for Wisconsin, Wisconsin quarterbacks. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, the comment that I've seen thrown out there quite a bit is, and I I got to be honest with you, it's hard to fight. Already, this is probably the most talented quarterback room we've seen at Wisconsin ever. It's wow. up there. I mean, it's got to be up there because even when they have a good quarterback, usually they don't have much behind him. Right. I mean, Russell Wilson, I don't remember who was behind him at the time. Jim Sorge was pretty good. Yep. But are you going to take any, like, obviously Russell Wilson, not current version, the college version. Sure, yes. Um, you're not going to put any of these guys over, over college version Russell Wilson. No. With that being said, for the depth behind it, it's it's a conversation to have. Pretty impressive what they've because done. Because the other one is, I don't even know if we said it, but Nick Evers also came in. Um, and then they they signed a f- high four-star recruit. Right. Well. So I assume that Nick Evers understands he's going to be sitting in the back seat to start it out. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he's younger. I mean, he lacks experience. He's younger. But, but it is Im- ready to roll. It is impressive that they were able to bring two guys in. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of three. Three, really. Yeah. When, you, when, you, when you do the recruit. Because yeah, when you're Nick Evers, you're looking at that four-star, too. Yep. Yeah. And part of the way that they're able to recruit these guys in, it's Phil Longo. I mean, Phil Longo yeah. is being a part of this recruiting process. I read another article, him breaking down what he wants to do at Wisconsin. He's the the message has gotten through to him to get the message out to the fan base and the college football world like we're not going to go five wide and completely remove the running back. We're, we're still going to lean on sure. part of the DNA. That's Wisconsin. We tend to, you know, go to, we, we tend to change our offense to what the personnel yeah. is. So, but at the same time, you're not, you're not recruiting these quarterbacks in unless you are telling them pretty, you know, pointed stuff that this offense is going to look different yeah. next year in the next couple of years. True. It'll but, look different. We're just not going to drop back and throw it long go every time. Been waiting, been waiting on that one. <laughs> no, no, I just, I'll keep working. Workshop. That. <laughs> That's good. You just caught me by surprise a little bit. Um, Nebraska. And then, well, I promise we'll improve on that one. <laughs> and then in comparison, Nebraska coordinators are getting out and saying, Hey, we're going to run the ball. Damn it. You know, um, uh, long story short is Wisconsin fans are excited because it looks like they're going to throw the ball over the field. Sure. Nebraska fans are excited because it looks like they're going to have a commitment to O-line, D-line and running the ball. Long story short, if something's not working, by God, try the opposite and that will get the fan base excited. It has to work. If you're running a 4-3 and it's not working out, switch to a 3-4. Or a 3-3-5. Three, three, th- okay, running a 3-4, go to the 4-3. But anyways, long story short, each one of these coordinators and these leaders are getting out recently and trying to get the message into their fan base and into the ether as much as they can. Last kind of personnel housekeeping, uh, Illinois, or, uh, Illinois and Purdue both picked up quarterbacks this week, too. Yeah, so Hudson Card. Yep, going from Texas to Purdue. Not a big surprise. Um, Drew Brees kind of slid in yeah. as a temporary coach, 
Made a little phone call there. Oh, little, little, little Texas connections. And then you got Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator. He's a Texas guy, too. How can you turn that down if you're Hudson Card? And then we got Luke Altmyer from Old Miss going to Illinois. So, I mean, I think Hudson Card may be the more recognizable name yeah, across both, the college football universe. Both high recruits. Both ranked right around the same okay. areas. Both like mid, four-star yeah, type of guys. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Yep. Um, for me, Altmyer, I love the pickup. Really wanted card, but you're not going to compete with what Purdue just did to get him. But uh, Altmeyer for me, is a higher ceiling than Tommy DeVito, but lower floor. He just has not played that much. Okay. But probably more talented than Tommy DeVito. Okay. And now is time where I step back and say, we realize we just gave you updates on Michigan in the East, but Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Illinois, and Purdue that are all in the West. I swear we're not that much of a Big West-centric podcast. There's just more going on there because the next thing we're going to hear about with Ohio State is just all the guys are going to go pro. I'm surprised we haven't actually heard some of that. But Michigan knows who their quarterback's going to be next year. Penn State knows who their quarterback's going to be next year. There's just not as much much turnover because those those programs are, are winning and solidified. Not as much turnover because there's not as much turmoil. There you go. Boy, you... You came real today. Did I bounce back from the long go comment? <laughs> I think that one was better. All right. Should we get into games? Yeah. All right. Breaking down nine bowl games here for you folks, because that's how dedicated we are. We're going to go all the way back to Tuesday, December 27th, the guaranteed rate bowl, Wisconsin 24, Oklahoma State 17, the Badgers with 374 yards of total offense to the Cowboys, 281 uh, there was no doubt in my mind that Wisconsin was the better football team here. Only wound up being a touchdown win, but should it, it was more for most of the contest. And then when it started to get into question a little bit, Wisconsin just kind of hammered it down. Um, an interesting thing because Fickle is on the sidelines, but he was more just like a guide. Uh, it was really kind of uh, Leon Hard. Last couple last couple times we get to say it, it was still that DNA that they kind of had throughout the fall. Anyways, lost guys to the NFL that weren't playing in the game on defense, had a completely different quarterback. You know what it looked like? It looked like Wisconsin. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they ran for 250 yards to Oklahoma State's only 52. They gave up 10 first downs on the game. They really took over the game in the second quarter. I thought it was going to be a blowout. They were still dominating well into the third quarter, and then I I can't remember it was third or fourth quarter when they scored a touchdown and then eventually – uh, the field goal to make it look a lot closer than it was. To it me, was. this was pretty convincing win by Wisconsin. It was pretty a pretty typical win by Wisconsin. And that's just the thing to me. It's like you change the quarterback. There was a new coach on the sideline, kind of. Uh, key guys gone from the defense. You could have played that game in late October, early November. I I think it would look the exact, the exact same. Yep. But Leon Hart had a little fun, the fake punt that worked out. He had... The three wide receiver rushes that went for 60 yards yep, total. So yep. he was kind of mixing it up a little bit. And a theme that we might have with a couple teams here is I thought Chase Wolf looked good enough with two or three weeks of bowl prep. Well, he started. How did we never get I know he was hurt. Okay, hold on. But... Well, hold on. Out of the gate, he looked really Graham Mercy. Yeah. INT early. Yep. That resulted in a TD. But then he made plays then he did start making plays with and, some and, of them with his legs so by the way that's why they got down to begin with is interception yep. i mean this is i was like this is graham mertz all over again yep. but then he did start making plays it yeah. looked and it looked better it just looked more dynamic i don't have to say i i liked it a little bit more than than mertz okay yeah i it's think it's sm- fair to say small sample size small but sample whatever. but again that's he only got one game you know, maybe if you gave him two or three games, it would look better. By the way, know. 38 minutes time of possession for Wisconsin. Yeah, 5.5 yard average running the ball. So with the win, Wisconsin finishes seven and six, the 21st season in a row with a winning record. Yeah. Overtakes Oklahoma, who had the record, I think, by a year or two in front of them. Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma lost their bowl to finish six and seven, so they have a losing record. So cheers to the Wisconsin Badgers. They have the longest streak of winning seasons in all of college football. That's impressive. It's amazing, right? I mean, and we, we, we kept thinking there's recently, this is the year. This is the year. 
It wasn't. It wasn't the year. It was only kind of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Next up was the two days later on Thursday, December 29th, the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Minnesota 28, Syracuse 20. The Gophers with 215 yards of total offense to the Oranges 400. <laughs> And 77 say what? I tell you what. They eyewood this thing up quite a bit. They eyewood it up, but it didn't feel like that when I was it watching did the game. Not. I felt like I ne- I never felt like Minnesota wasn't in control of this game. Was that you or one of my brothers where we were talking about the game and I said, "Oh, but have you looked up the stats?" No, that was me. That was I was, you. Okay. I was like it it seems it seems like they it seems like Minnesota always dominates their bowl games but only barely wins them. Like, and I thought that was like a Minnesota thing. And you just said, well, but you have, you looked at the stats. I'm like, well, how, could, how bad? The, and yeah. I, if you look at the stats, Syracuse won this game. <laughs> right. I mean, they had double the first downs that Minnesota had. It, they had more than double the yards. But part of it was like Minnesota was in control almost all of this game, which is, again, weird that the stats don't bore it out at all. And there was a, a little bit of sense of, they were playing it safe because they had the lead and sure. they didn't want to put things in harm's way. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, if they put their foot down on the gas a little bit more on offense, I think there was available yards, but they just didn't do it. Um, as good a time as any to bring it up again to go off on a sidetrack real quick. That field is disgusting. It's a Ugh. baseball field. They're sliding all around. It's I, ridiculous. I don't know. Is it is it a different species I, of plant that they put on the <laughs> ground? But what is so difficult about this? It's a little mix of Kentucky bluegrass. You can play full football I mean, I'm ball saying game. It's, it's not even grass. It's no. like, what are they? I just don't. And, know and then I just complained about the bowl itself and the surface that. And then a lot of people pointed out to me, it's these baseball fields that are put in in like that's the common theme with all of these bowls. Not all of them, but wonder if the, just, t- the turf isn't as resilient, or like, just hasn't adhered to the earth below it enough yet. And there was know. more mix of sand in there or something. I no Those idea. Are great questions. Okay, so I wanted to talk about Mo. Yeah, right off the the bat, um, this is a, a tweet by at Four Kane Rob Video. Okay, so here's uh, Mo's single season go for records this year. Uh, season rush TDs twenty, season total TDs. 20. That's that's the go for record in the season. Season rush yards this year 1665 yards. Season total points 120, season 100-yard games 10, season rush yards per game 153.7. Here's his career records. Rushing TDs 53, rush yards 4668, total TDs 53. He's never had a rushing or never had a receiving crazy uh, uh, touchdown. All rushing. All rushing. 100-yard rush games 24, 200-yard rush games 5. Consecutive 200 games, two. Consecutive 119. TDs in consecutive games, eight. Rush attempts, Jeez. 867. Bowl game rush yards, 435. I mean, single game records, four TDs. Most TDs and a half, also four. Freshman rush yards, 224. And it keeps going on and on. That's insane. I just wrote down four. <laughs> I mean, seriously, all, it keeps yeah. going. That's, that's the insane. next one, and that's the next one. Yeah. Incredible. Just, just another running back, as a certain other podcast pointed out on Mo Ibrahim. I, I still don't believe enough people nationally understand how good this guy is. I, and you have to say that he is the best gopher running back of all time I, after just hearing that. I mean, love you some Daryl Thompson. Love Lawrence Maroney. Yeah. Love um, Barber. Barber. Those guys were all great. He's the best. He's, he's the best. Do it. In fact, unless you have to go back to, like, you know, the World War One, World War Two days. He's just the greatest gopher of all time. He's got to be in the Boy, ring. Bronco Nagurski. Okay. Is that going a little too far back? Probably. Or, okay. yeah, probably but, by the way, another thing with Mo in this game, he got all his records. Peace out. I don't think he was injured. No, no. I think he, w- he said, I've set the records. I don't need to injure myself on this freaking field. Speaking of. And I don't blame him, by the way. And big drop off. And that's, that's another reason the stats look a little weird. Yes. Big drop off. When Mo took off, it was. We kind of alluded to it on the podcast. I do want to give a shout out though. Ethan Kaliakmana, seven of nine for eighty yards. Dude came in dealing, man. He looked I, he good. looks great throwing down the field. And then he got hurt. Gopher fans yeah. rightfully fo- so shit their pants. I think it was just an ankle thing, so I don't think it's a big deal. Okay. But did this not turn out as good as it could have? Which is we got a swung song 
performance from Tanner Morgan. For him to come in, yep. throw two touchdown right. passes. Yeah. I mean, he was dealing. For a 7, 58 yards and two touchdowns. It's honestly one of my favorite stories throughout the whole bowl season. Is Tanner coming in, helping to help his team get the win, throwing a couple touchdowns. Here's the thing. They got PJ'd. They got out, outrushed 147 to 77. They out time of possession to 34 minutes to 26 minutes. They got PJ'd and still won. Still won the game. Did their thing. Uh, with the win, Minnesota finishes 9-4. and four. Mm. The third nine-win season in three years, not counting COVID because that's stupid. Sure. So if you average up the non-COVID years, I mean, basically it averages out to a 10-3 and three season. As my podcast partner has accurately and intelligently pointed out, know who you are, right? Yeah. Know who you are. Minnesota knows who they are, and that's why they re-upped on PJ because you'd this be, is— You'd be silly not to. Right? Yes. I mean, these are, these are essentially unprecedented levels of— of um, uh, success, not counting World War One, World War Two type of stuff. Yeah. So, and by the way, anyone bashing the Gophers for keeping PJ, shut up. I, you, you just dislike PJ is what it is. Well, it, it's, and, and you, that's it's fine. your right. I'm not talking yours. Yeah. I'm talking any t- uh, players, uh, fans, right to dislike a coach if they want to, but that's what it is. I think that's probably what it comes down to. But they try to address the wins or lack thereof. It's like he's he's four and zero in bowl games, I believe. Yeah, Averaging, it's just haters. It's haters. It's I mean, typically the, they're better than they were in the Kill Clay's era, and they're mostly better than the fans of other teams that are making fun of PJ. Right, for the most part. Correct. Next game up was the next day, Friday, December thirtieth, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, Maryland sixteen, NC State twelve. The Terps with three hundred and forty-two yards. Of total offense to the Wolfpacks, 296. Truth be told, I listened to this game driving down to the state of Iowa to spend time with my family. I did catch it a little bit on replay. The ESPN announcers on ESPN radio, it was like middle of the second quarter. It was a low-scoring game, hard-hitting. And the announcer's like, boy, this is a Big Ten game here, isn't it? Yeah, but... That's not the style that Maryland plays. Was, and oh, by the way, NC State plays more games correct. like this. I, don't know, I mean, I was going to say this is the most unlocks like win. I, I think we've maybe seen in our time doing the That's actually, podcast. He I mean, doesn't six, pull out a lot of. There's not a lot of times where his team scores 16 points and they win. They're correct. They scored one touchdown and they scored three field goals. All that NC State scored was four field goals. How many times have we seen Maryland do that? Hold yeah. the team to. A pretty good list. team. Yeah. Touchdown list to four field goals. Missing their top quarterback, but still. Sure, but seven field goals in the game. Yeah. I mean, and 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 a gritty win. Like a gritty. Thank you. I was going to say, John and any other Maryland fans listening, we're not besmirching the win. We're saying props to, to Locks for figuring out a way to win other than just outscoring them. Because, you know, up until this year, he hasn't been doing this kind of stuff. No, no. Roman Hemby, okay, 24 carries, 65 yards. But as a team, only had a 1.9 yard average. Bill Edwards, Billy Edwards got the start. I think there was something going on where there's been a little bit of trouble oh, yeah. in paradise. No, but there was some shenanigans. Okay, there was some shenanigans. That's why Taulia Tungaviola did not start the game, <laughs> but he got the majority of the snaps. 19 of 37, 221 yards, touchdown and two picks. It that is a really well coached NC State defense. They have looked good on defense for two or three years now. They looked good against this Maryland offense. So you have to have a, a good performance on the other side of the ball. And for the most part, they did. Ben Finley, the quarterback, had a little bit of uh, of success. But uh, NC State team rushing 18 carries, 27 yards. Man, I mean, the Terps clamped out on them. So good for them. Again, it's just a very unlocks like looking win, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. Make sure you want to make able, sure that's known. It's a you want to be able to win in different ways. Correct. With the win, Maryland finishes at eight and five. But more importantly, uh, than the win or anything okay. that happened, Mike Loxley got drenched in Duke's Mayo. Kurt, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you seen the videos? Nope, didn't watch it. I would see <laughs> that. I would it, see be- him as I'm scrolling. And I would just keep going by because literally seeing the video enough. It's, it's disgusting. I mean, aren't you at least a little so, bit disgusted when you see that? I, that I mean, would I just would I openly welcome somebody dumping mayo on me? Of, of course not. That would be gross. Uh, with that being said, watching the video is fun. I mean, dude, it was locks. It was our guy. Well, I was gonna say mayo. he it's probably funny. doesn't need more mayo, does he? <laughs> 
the the visual was fantastic. Uh, the other thing I was gonna did add, he I, eat any of it? I, you don't really. And by the way, he was wearing. You know how the, they have like the style now is the kids are all wearing those big oversized ball caps. No, I don't know. This. Don't know I'm, that, I'm that old. Apparently, yeah. It looks like a ball cap, but it's gigantic. Okay, so it it's, it fits on your head like it's tight to your really? head, but it's like this big. It's oh boy, like, I don't think I. So that's what he was wearing, and then the mayo okay. dripped down underneath. And I was gonna I was gonna try to put something together like, what would it take for you to be okay having some some mayo dumped on your head? But I don't know. Maybe we'll figure that question out some other day. Yeah, a lot. Just, yeah, yeah, it would take you know something. <clears throat> the Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amateur Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall and game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving in to New Year's Eve, Saturday, December 31st. The Music City Bowl, Iowa 21, Kentucky 0. The Hawks with 286 yards to the Wildcats, 185. So every point in this game was scored by Iowa. Also, every point in this game was scored in the second quarter. That's I noticed that. that yeah. and it didn't, I don't remember, remember that from the game. I didn't remember it being all in the second quarter. Yeah, it it. There was a couple feeling out periods in the first quarter. I felt like it was spread out. It was one drive and two pick sixes. Yeah. That was it. And all in the second quarter. I mean, if I had had to guess, I would have said the offensive touchdown came in the first quarter. The first pick six came in the second quarter, and the next one came in the third. You weren't that far off. The drive started in the first quarter. They scored, I'm almost positive, the first or second play of the second quarter. Okay. So it was really close. Um, It was pretty much the game that the Sickos committee and everybody wanted. I mean, this total was 31 points. It finished 10 points under. Easily under. I mean, there was a time in the fourth quarter where there was potential for points. Yes. Like, if you had the under, you, you, you got nervous. a little sweaty yep. a couple times. Um, how about this first stat? I don't know if you saw this. 21 nothing. This is the first shutout of an SEC team by a Big Ten team ever. No. I thought you'd like that stat. That's Holy a, crap. First time a Big Ten team has ever shut out an SEC team in a bowl game. Oh, in a bowl. in a bowl. Oh, okay. In a bowl game. Sorry. Okay. That. Well, bad. that's My different. Bad. I was just like. I, Still, I, that's quite That's quite the stat. Okay. You, speaking of getting shut out, not quite shut out, both teams combined on third down were two of 29. And did Kentucky have the two conversions? Kentucky had the two. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> you nailed it. Um, okay. What did we have here? We had two. We have a really good defense in Kentucky. I think a historically great defense in Iowa playing against two rookie quarterbacks <laughs> who were not ready for prime time. They were sho- shoved into action because the upperclassmen yep. either were injured in Iowa's case, transferred, or uh, declared for the draft for for Kentucky. So you throw inexperienced quarterbacks with limited guys to throw to because oh by the way both teams wide receivers either declared or took off this is what you got and that's why you got the 31 point so over under what do you do what do you talk about in a game like this you talk about punty yeah okay so tory taylor eight oh. punts on the day averaged 48.3 yards um zero touchbacks six of those eight were inside the 20 yard line wilson berry for kentucky had a decent game himself. Ten punts for forty point nine average, zero touchbacks as well. Two only two inside the twenty. There were eighteen punts in this game. We talked about how many punts you could possibly get in a game. That's got to be close. Uh, that's got to be damn near the, the max for right? the for this. I wonder for the season high if that was it right there. I think I had to guess. Yeah, like so. I had by the way an excellent time watching this game because I watched it with my old man. Both of my brothers, my nephew, my niece was there too. She was more, she was more just kind of hanging out with us. But it was a blast watching this game. Um, some of the questions we were asking is, I wonder if Kentucky fans watching on Iowa football game for I guarantee the first time since the last bowl game last year, do you think they're like, what, what is the deal with this punter? Like he keeps downing them inside. Like I bet oh, the I- average down was eight yard line. I guarantee you they are bewildered every time when 
and not just Kentucky. I'm saying other teams that play Big Ten teams. Why is this punter so damn good? I guarantee you they're saying that. Like, it got to the point, like, the first gigantic cheer with, my, you know, with my family and I was when they downed the punt at the one-yard line. Yeah, we just sure. er- erupted. And why, I'm not even sure why you erupted, because it's just, it's commonplace It's at this just point. so much fun. It is see. fun, though. It is fun. I do want to point out, though, quarterback Joy Labas, I thought he looked pretty good, you know? fourteen. He looked, at, yeah, he looked solid. 14 to 24, 129 yards, one Which, touchdown, but the big stat that he didn't have, no any turnovers. turnovers. Right, so... Kind of like Wisconsin, why wouldn't we just play him all year? Yeah, so that's why I said earlier there might be a theme with that. He got one. He got a bull. He got bull prop. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, I thought he was an improvement. Again, I thought it was an improvement. So again, what do you talk about in a twenty-one nothing shutout? The defense: Jack Campbell, ten tackles, eight solo, a sack, two tackles for loss. Cooper DeGene, another great game, seven tackles, six solo, tackle for loss, pick six, and how, how do you pronounce his name? Nwanka. Xavier and Wampa, yep. Okay, eight tackles, seven solos, uh, pass defended, and a pick six himself. The defense overall had four sacks and 11 tackles for loss. It was a good performance for the defense. It was beautiful. Um, For Iowa fans, uh, Kayvon Merriweather, second-team All-American safety. It was the only opt-out for this game. Iowa fans were excited, though, because this is our five-star, Xavier and Wampa. But you sit there and you're like, I just hope he looks solid. He looked good. Yeah, he looked great. <laughs> I mean, even before the pick six. So we're up 14 to nothing after the pick six. That came right after the the, the tight end touchdown little barrage we had. When they got backed up again, I mean, they, they immediately got backed up. And it was at the end of the first half. And I joked on Twitter and said, I wonder if both coaches would sign an agreement to just get to half at this point. Like, right. why? And then we all said in the room, again, watching with my dad my brother's nephew, well, they're not going to try to throw the ball here, are they? And he throws it right to Cooper DeGene. And I swear to God, we didn't cheer. We all busted out laughing. <laughs> we just... We just died laughing. And Ugh. I'm just going to say, I love the way... So he breaks on the ball, right? And he... It's almost like he, before he caught it, he just started nonchalanting yeah. into the end zone. Yeah. Because he knew there was nobody, nobody there. that's going to stop him. He should have never thrown the ball. And then he immediately, is, he turns around, he gets one yard into the end zone, and he just hands it to the... <laughs> it was, I loved it. Is that not funny? I loved it. It was a comedic scene. I loved it. And then I thought I had the stat right, but I, I believe... So at one point, I thought that meant that I would finish the season with six defensive touchdowns and six passing touchdowns okay. on offense. It's actually six defensive touchdowns. That pass that Joey Labas threw was the seventh passing uh, touchdown. Darn it. So it's not even. Would have been a more fun stat. Not even a good stat but anymore. But it's still an interesting stat. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, with the win, Iowa finishes at eight and five. Moving past a couple games, and we're going to go to Monday, January 2nd, the ReliaQuest Bowl, Mississippi State 19, Illinois 10, the Bulldogs with 390 yards of total offense to the Illini's 288. Real quick, before we get into the game, Rod Gilmore was insufferable. Well, the, the pinnacle... He's the ESPN announcer. Yeah, the pinnacle was when he when they were going over the current bowl records at that point. And the Big Ten, I believe, was 4-0 in that moment, and I believe the SEC was maybe 1-4 in the moment. Sure. And he goes... Do you think that those records are because of all the opt-outs in the SEC? Had to say it. By the way, meanwhile, in this game, Illinois had three NFL players that opted out of the game. But that was amazingly not brought up in the game that he should be diagnosing and researched to call. By the way, one of them was the leader, the leading rusher in Power 5. Another one is going to be a first-round cornerback. He was a finalist for the Thorpe Award. Third one is Sidney Brown, who was freaking... National Defensive Player of the Week in the last week of the year. Or I, I called you year, at halftime yeah. to bitch and complain. I felt like I was more. <laughs> no, you were up than more you. upset than me because I because I'm like I'm like there's no question three of the best four players are not playing in this game for Illinois, and you can make a, to say three of the top three aren't yeah, playing I mean, in the game. Sure, yeah, didn't. But anyways, he didn't bring that up in this no. game, the game that you know he was calling. Anyways, damn it, Illinois should have won this game. Well, they played well enough to win. But gosh, there's they did so many things wrong too. I mean, there's t- a typical Illinois loss if you look back at the year, right? Look at every single game they lost. They could have won. With, I mean, the Michigan State one is the one that maybe you can say now. You know, that wasn't really. They were close at the end, but Michigan State pulled away. Um, but like they were, they were winning the game. 
Their defense only gives up 13 points. If I felt like they were up 10 to nothing almost the entire game. It, it felt like it. They got two more interceptions. They set the Illinois record for most interceptions ever, by the way, in a season. But this, the offensive line, I've been saying this. I, right, I was, Back half of the year, I just kept bitching more and more. Yeah, about you the, have. They were awful. They weren't just bad. They were awful. And this further points out how good Chase Brown is yes. running back. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Because there was just... And God bless Reggie Love. He has come a long way, and he was doing some good he things. He did have some good stuff. But he is no Chase Brown. Nope. And you could Most tell people that, aren't. And by the way, they, it wasn't just in the run game that they stunk. They gave up seven sacks. Yep. And part of that, though, was the wide receivers were getting no separation. I agree. It, I and mean, the, it was an it was an offensively challenged game. I meant to put in the under bet in this game. It was at 46. Got distracted. Didn't get it in, which added added to my frustration with this game because it was an obvious under because a lot of the offensive firepower was was gone. And oh, by the way, Illinois got a really good defense. Illinois dictated their style of play almost this entire game. The entire college football world was cheering for Mississippi State. Apparently, of course, they apparently were. you had to you had to ask permission to 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 cheer for Illinois. And the answer was always no. <laughs> but with that being said, like. It seemed like an Illinois game, and then you realize it was an Illinois game because five losses this year, all winnable games. This is another one. It's you 100% take a a season-ending record of eight and five, no matter how you get it. Right. But there is a twinge of should have been nine and four, should have could have been ten and three type of feeling. Oh, I mean, I honestly after this game, I felt like I got kicked in the dinghy. Yeah. I it it kind of. I mean, Illinois. They went from seven and one to eight and five. So they went one and four in their last five games. Yeah, it's hard to feel good right now. I'm sorry. It's just really hard no, to feel you, good. No, you definitely feel good. You're just you're frustrated that you don't feel better. That's all. I guess that's part of it. And by the way, the touchdown call on the touchdown reception, which when I saw it in real time, I'm like, that's not a touchdown. They go to the first replay. I said, that's not a touchdown. When they go to the other the angle, one replay. I I I have no problem with that being called a touchdown. Okay, all right. Uh, I don't know. It to me, it seemed like it wasn't ruled a touchdown on the field. Keep the keep the call. That's how I would have. No, it, it it was ruled. A oh, touchdown. it was ruled a touchdown. Yeah, it was ruled a touch. No, it was. Okay. It was ruled a touchdown. They did not overturn it. Right. So I get it. Yeah, I don't know. Just never seems to go for no, Illinois never, in, those, no, in those situations. It never I guess. goes. It, never uh, goes. Shout out to by the way, Tommy DeVito, 24, 23 of thirty four, two hundred fifty three yards, no touchdowns, but no picks. Like he he looked good. He especially looked good. when you consider O line not doing great job, receivers not doing a great no. job, rushing attack not doing a great job. I don't think he could have played much better. I mean, some of the receivers didn't show up, and by that I mean they literally didn't show up. Brian Hightower was nowhere to be found and, and transferred out transfer bowl, the yeah. next day. Um, Isaiah Williams had a good day. Now, I did want to point out these names. Xavier Scott, cornerback, Tyler Strain, cornerback, and Matt Bailey, safety. They're the ones that filled in for Taz Nicholson, yeah. Devin, Devon Witherspoon. Got to pick out a couple of those guys, right? Um, uh, um, Kendall Smith had one, and the other one was one the Bailey, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bailey. But anyway, three guys, green. They all look pretty damn good. And that is why these bowl games should be fun to tune into. I mean, you would have rather gotten the win, don't get me wrong. But you got experience for guys that you're going to be leaning on next year, and I think you can feel good about that. Yeah, for the guys that play. With the loss, Illinois finishes at eight and five. Next game up, was it a game? Uh, Monday, January second, the Cheese It Bowl, LSU sixty-three, Purdue seven yards, a shitload, of not that many, dude. It hey, just did you see Drew Brees? <laughs> I did see Drew. Yeah, Brees. I saw him too. That that was that's the best take away from those. Purdue fans, what are we going to say? I, this said, wasn't your 2022 team. It just was. It was a team that that was pre- was presented at this bowl game. It wasn't Auburn, but it looked like it, <laughs> dude. I mean, I stand by my comment that it's fun. Like the Iowa game was fun for me because of Joy Labas and Xavier Wampa, right? Sure, seemed to new guys mixed in with Sam Laporta and all the. There was nothing to che- like, no. nothing to cheer for here. No. I don't know what to say. Um, Aiden O'Connell, Charlie Jones, Payne Durham, all skipping the ball. Jeff Brom, play caller. He skips the ball. <laughs> Brian Brom looks like crap. Four different players attempted a pass for Purdue. They wound up 19 of 42, 169 yards and three picks. And I, I believe one was a wide receiver. Yes. So three quarterbacks, each one threw an interception. Dude. 
You just had to get the game over. With the loss, Purdue finishes at 8-6. and six. All right, here we go. Moving back to New Year's Eve to the college football playoff. Monday, or excuse me, uh, would be uh, Saturday, December 31st. No, shoot. Okay, my bad. One more to go here. My bad. Okay, I thought we were saving the RB for last. My bad. Uh, you, you, do we want to end on a high note with the, uh, the yeah, RB? Let's just let's dive into the RB. No, okay. Yeah. Monday, January 2nd, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Penn State 35, Utah 21, the Nittany Lions with 448 yards of total offense to the Utes 391. Penn State had scoring plays of 87 and 88 yards, the 88-yarder being a pass from Sean Clifford to Keandre Lambert-Smith, the longest ever in the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. That is phenomenal. Longest touchdown Touchdown pass. pass, excuse me. Now, Nick Singleton, who ran for 87 yards for a touchdown, that was only the third longest touchdown run in Rose Bowl history. Now, don't forget... Kijana Carter in 95 had an 83-yard touchdown against Oregon. Saquon Barkley in 17 had a 79-yarder against USC. They've got four of the longest plays in Rose Bowl history. And And, and only played in three games, I believe. Just those three, right? Just those three. Yeah, there's always something exciting that happens. we got to send Penn State to the Rose Bowl more often because they represent well, and it's always an exciting game. Somebody on Twitter put those three runs by the three running backs side-by-side in video. I don't know how people do that stuff. Mm. It was incredible. Uh, awesome thing to see. I want to give a shout out to Sean Clifford, right? Like I, I think much, much beleaguered Sean Clifford. Is that fair to say? Sure. By both Penn state fans and people outside sure. the fan base yeah. that dude balled out. Did you know something? It was his highest pro football focused grade of his career. No shit. Yeah. Good stat. Fine. Yeah. That's good. Dude. Great for him. Yeah. Like how about it there? I think it was the, don't kill me on this, but second or third drive of the game. And he just went down the field dealing it, you know, it was like 12 yard or 18 yard. And, and I'm like, damn, you know, Clifford's dealing. I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm like, I don't know if he, he can keep that up all game. He pretty much kept it up all game. He looked great. And by the way, really emotional. I don't usually care about that kind of stuff, but I was getting a little choked up at when I saw him yep. tearing up on the yep. sidelines. So, you know, know who else was attacking? The defense was attacking. They were impressive. They were athletic. They had a shutout for 30 straight minutes in this game. They had six sacks, nine tackles for loss. They looked awesome. They were incredible. They were the, so I want to say is start to finish. They were the better team in my opinion. Okay. Now, obviously when Cam Rising went out, Utah is done. I'm sorry. Just their backup wasn't ready for the prime time like that. So it, I believe Penn State would have won the game anyways. I think there would have been more points in the game for both teams, if, I, if, if, if I'm being completely honest. But in the end, uh, Penn State was a hot team the entire month of November. Half of October would be about right. They showed it again in the Rose Bowl. You, both teams wanted this win. Both teams wanted to be there. Penn State was the better team. Why? Because Penn State was an 11-win, extremely good football team this year. That's why. Yeah. Don't don't tell Penn State fans that. Okay, so <laughs> one thing that disappointed me about this game, you you always love seeing the sunny, you know, yep. sun soaked yep. uh, San Rose Gabriel Bo- Mountains. The San Gabriel Mountains. The, it rained. Well, first it was overcast, then it started raining. Did you know it's only the third time that there's been rain for the Rose Bowl since 1955? You're kidding me, man! You got some good stats. And it, it just. When it when I tuned in, I was like, "Oh, it's, a bus it's overcast. Yeah, it's a wet blanket." I don't remember literally in my whole life seeing that. No. Maybe I, I probably have. I just don't remember. Yeah. But I was like, "Damn it, doesn't feel Rose Bowly." Can I give you a quick sob story? Sure. When my brother played in the Rose Bowl, I had astigmatism in my eyes. I couldn't look over the, until the sun went down. Oh man. Yeah. Stuck. That's awful. But but you're right there. Um. Uh. So <laughs> I want to give a special shout out. Mm. Um, I had a, a, uh, uh, a special, uh, interest in this game finishing over the total and it happened on the last scoring play of the game, which was the second to last play of the entire game. When Utah went down the field and scored that last touchdown. Wow. That pushed it over by a half a point. Holy crap. <laughs> and it was a 100% meaningless touchdown, except for the people <laughs> that had the game total. Wow. That's so. 
Shout out to the Utah Utes for continuing to battle. With the win, as we said, Penn State finishes 11-2. Rose Bowl champs, the only loss are to two college football playoff teams that we will now break down as the Big Ten games of the week. Back to New Year's Eve on December 31st. The Fiesta Bowl, a.k.a. the college football playoff semifinal. Whoa, TCU 51, Michigan 45. The Horn Frogs with 488 yards of total offense to the Wolverines 528. Well, this game surprised me. I do think that Michigan lost on both lines of scrimmage, but no, they did. I, I mean, okay, you can make maybe you, maybe they didn't lose when they're on offense, but they they lost when when they're on defense. Um. But with two pick sixes and with the non-TED call, they still should have won this game when it didn't look like they were winning in the trenches to me. Okay. I'm not – this could be semantics. It it almost for sure is. But it was more of an X's nose thing to me. Like, it wasn't – Now, that was a big part of it because I also think TCU scouted them amazing. Yes. That is – that's my point. Okay. I mean, it was, the, it's, it's hard. You don't often see a game where you're like, holy crap, that was a great scout. Holy crap, that was a great scout. Holy crap. that I'd said that at least three, four times. There you go. That, so I guess when I say some team lost a game in the trenches, to me that means an O-line got pushed around by a D-line or a D-line got pushed around by an O-line. That's not what happened. They were getting creased. Yes, correct. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So that but, is, but, but, still, that, but that, that that's still a loss. Well, I know that. I, I'm just saying what has been lo- lost in these Michigan losses the last two years in the college football playoffs has been scheme. The, and and namely defensive side. Like th- th- this is that was a for sure somewhat understandable poor performance by Michigan's defense last year versus Georgia. Okay. Somewhat understandable. Definitely understandable that they had troubles uh moving the ball versus that Georgia defense, okay? This year, though, this this isn't a talent thing. Michigan's no. got more talent. No, it wasn't than a talent TCU. thing. But okay, let's go over what their defense didn't do or what they did poorly. Give there was a long touchdown drive in the second quarter that I just felt like was kind of backbreak, not backbreak because yeah. early, but I was just like it was. It kind of set a tone, I guess. Maybe is what I'm yep. trying to say. There was the long TD uh, to to uh, Quentin Johnson on the z- the zero blitz. It was a crossing pattern. If amazing you a, play! It was amazing play. He he picked it kind of like not off the ground, but it was amazing the way he picked the ball out of the air. If you miss a tackle on a play like that, that's what happens. Uh, in the second half, they gave up on successive drives: a touchdown, a touchdown. Then they caused a fumble, but. That's why maybe they didn't give up a touchdown. Then another touchdown. Three out of four drives, they give up touchdowns. This defense kind of collapsed. Then there was the long uh, run down to the one-yard line in the second half, too. Uh, there, there were so many breakdowns defensively. For sure. And to me, if, it was an X's and O's thing. I mean, it kind of was. Because, like, I don't remember the down and distance, but why were you running? A, and it was a zero blitz. It wasn't just a zero cover. It was a zero blitz. I think they should have kept Max Dugan in the pocket. They, they lost their number one running back. Make them earn it more. And they got beat another time. They were running a lot of, man, with Dugan back there, why are you running man coverage? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it was a line of scrimmage thing. I think it was, an, it was a game plan, X's and O's thing. Two years in a row. I don't get it, man. And now, the other stuff I want to say is um, J.J. McCarthy has gotten his chops busted pretty bad the last you know four or five days or so. So he said, you know, if they stay in that three three five, blah blah blah, we're gonna run at him, brother. They had five hundred twenty eight yards of total offense and put forty five points on the on the board. Right, and they it, they, they the rushing, one hundred eighty six yards, four point seven yard average. Like this ain't bad. Okay, I'm gonna let me add to that. So defense obviously not helping them out. Michigan was down four in, in the game, down at at various times fourteen nothing. One of those was pick. Were they? I think one was the pick, pick six. Game. 21 to 3, 34 to 16, 41 to 22 and 51 to 38 and then ended up being 51 to 45. That's pretty impressive for the offensive side of the ball. 4TC. Oh, no. You're for, saying that how they kept coming back. Yes. 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 So and he's throwing pick sixes and they're still coming back. Correct. So like 
I understand it's you know for opposing fan bases, it's 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 fun to bust JJ McCarthy's chops. He's the five star quarterback of Michigan. I get it, but like, I, and I know the pick six is it's, but like, it was on the defense. I don't know what to say. No, the game was on the defense, and and a couple questionable calls. That was a freaking touchdown. There's no the question. Play that, there's it, no, it is. There's no question. I, even ESPN at halftime said that's a touchdown. I know. You know I, it's bad when they say I've, it. I've never seen anything like that before. He, it should have been ruled a touchdown even if he caught it where he did, but he bobbled it and then got into the end zone. Right. It was, a t- it, and then fumble on the next play. Huge play in the game. They would have th- been up seven to nothing. Do you think so? And a horrible call. The series before that, on the first drive of the game, like, come on, Khaki. You're, you're going to yeah, kick yeah, the yeah. field goal. Uh, no. You're Michigan. Go up three nothing. Right. Is that... Is that that big a deal? I, I, I did not like that. Max Duggan was m- not great, but good. Love but the, watching him play. He's an absolute baller, but dude, the stat of the day, 41 carries, 263 yards, a 6.4-yard average rushing the ball for TCO. Can't have it. Can't do it. <laughs> With the loss, Michigan finished the season at 13-1 and by all objective measurements. <laughs> Still a fantastic year for Michigan. Last game for us to break down the whole year till, till, till next season, buddy. The Peach Bowl, a.k.a. the other college football playoff semifinal. Georgia 42, Ohio State 41. The Bulldogs with 533 yards of offense to the Buckeyes, 467. Um, it's going to sound like the last game. <laughs> it is. It's it's, But yet... Ohio State was actually up this whole game. Well, so the, okay, I I did the same thing for Ohio State. They were up at twenty-one to seven. Then it went to twenty-one twenty-one. They're up thirty-eight to twenty-four. Then it went to thirty-eight to thirty-five. They were up forty-one thirty-five. Lost forty-two forty-one. And it's their defense let them down. I so one of the things the precursor to the conversation that Braden Gall and I had. He said that it was a. A plus performance for Ohio State in this bowl. No, game. it wasn't. <laughs> he hasn't watched Ohio State this year. I, my question is, I would love if you went up to Jim Knowles and said, "Did you think this was an A plus performance for your defense?" Like, they, don't get me wrong. This is one of, if not the best offense that Ohio State played all year. Is yeah, that fair? Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, right up there. Sure, but they played poorly. Like. If you if everything is the same, but you just take away the busted coverage in the, late in the fourth quarter, they probably win the game. How about some of the crap tackling? Um, I know that they didn't have their running backs. No, it's been a problem all year. But three point seven yard average too there. So that's not their A game. I'm sorry. Here's another non A game thing. Kate Stover went out of the game. He helps yeah, in the that, rushing attack yeah, as was, well as the moving the chains guy. Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't play the entire fourth quarter and most of the third? Yeah, I believe that's right. Sounds right. Pretty much the whole second half. Yeah. He was unguardable. He was. Georgia had no answers By the for way, him and C.J. Stroud. A guy named Jackson Smith and Jigba wasn't even playing. The whole year. Travion Henderson, pretty last six oh. games. I don't think Mayan Williams, the Mesoamerican, I don't think he's been healthy for six months, for six <laughs> games now. By the way, it shows. He's looking a little chubby. Correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I agree. Long story short is, like, what I want to say is, this is this is the mighty SEC. This team went 13-0 in the SEC. This is the second-best team in the Big Ten. Didn't have a, a lot of their best players. Only lost by a point. Had a field goal attempt to win the game right. and were up most of the game. Don't, do, don't you think there's enough proof there that, you know, this... Ohio State team would have had a lot of success in the SEC this year yes. as well. Yes, but, you know, I want to say this. It has to be said. Ohio State lost. They, they could have won, but they lost. Michigan could have won, but they lost. If you want respect, win the damn game. I get it. No doubt. Can't, can't escape that. No. Um, another thing you can't escape, both of these games had targeting calls that were bullshit. That, they didn't call the targeting at the end of that Michigan game because it was inconvenient to call it. Yeah. So it ain't it ain't player safety. No. That was and, and that was speak, targeting. Okay, and speaking of player safety, the hit on Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. I hate targeting. You know that. Correct. But if it's a rule, call don't, it. Don't you have to knocked him out of the game. They don't get the call. 
But it's, it's just like Clemson, man. Hold on. It, well, I know. I wrote that down, too. Just like Clemson. But it's irrelevant if he got knocked out of the game. My point being, it was textbook targeting. He was a defensive player that got hit in the head and neck area. Period. That's targeting. Targeting. And they reviewed it and, and said not targeting. Dude, this is and how... didn't that one get called targeting initially? It got tar- Yes, it got, got called positive, targeting yeah. and got overturned on a textbook targeting. Dude, that's bullshit, right? I mean, that was bullshit. That, For sure, that was bullshit. Michigan maybe you know doesn't win the game. They would have had one more shot no, to, to yeah, win the game. Right. Okay, but Ohio State probably wins the game. Probably. Georgia gets a go into a commercial break, come out. No, it was a first down. And... You know, um, for look, whatever if, the Georgia tight end game play. If if they don't want to call targeting because it's a playoff game, that's fine. Then announce before the game we're not going to call targeting. Yes. <laughs> I'm I, serious. I like, know you're being a little bit tongue in cheek, but no, I, like, like, hey, no targeting for the Bulls. Yeah. Uh, shout out to CJ Stroud. Right, 23 of 34, 348 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, rushing the ball. They let him rush the ball. Any Ohio State fans or anybody in general that's not calling C.J. Stroud like a, a gamer, this was, I think you could make an argument, the biggest game of his career. He was nails. Okay. Wasn't so on him. Didn't have a running game. Didn't have his two best receivers. I tried to come up with the word, because this is, like you said, probably his best game. He was sublime. He was sublime. I searched words to find that one. He that's was great sublime. One. Great band, too. I don't know what to say. Hollow feeling for Ohio State fans. I get it. And the thing is, so with the loss, Ohio State finished the season eleven and two. So now you break it down. Like the the Big Ten went five and four in bowls. Won the Rose Bowl. Did very good on the undercard bowls. But you don't win the college football playoff, and everybody the, the Big Ten gets shit on. And the thing is, the Big Ten could have won either one of these games, and we're not having yeah, that conversation. Correct. Because yeah. then you're six and three with a college football playoff win, and you still got a team alive. Right. But again, you got to win it. Um... One more point I was going to make. Oh, oh yeah, Braden. Do you suppose that he just, well, the quarterback's playing well, so this is their A game. I think that was, it was, I think that was partially discussed. So, okay. in the podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, if you're a big hater, you got what you wanted, but, you know, as far as the bowl games, but it is what it is. Um, can I, can I pat myself, break my arm, pat myself on the back? I went eight and one ATS mm. for the, for the Big Ten Bowls. That's pretty good, man. Um, on the season, I finished 64-40-2 against the spread. That's a 61.5 ATS. That, that'll that get you a room comped in Vegas if you can pull that off. So, I, I, listen, I I know that's arrogant for me to bring it up, but I'm not I'm not going to have stats that good probably ever. <laughs> so I'm going to take I mean, I would, shot. I would print it out and frame it. <laughs> I, I, I might. I, I might do that. Um, anyways, there it is, man. I guess we broke them all down. That was pretty fun. We we said we were going to talk a bunch. We talked a little bit, except for the Purdue gun. We said we were going to be quick with that one, and we weren't because there wasn't much to talk about. We're an that. hour and ten minutes. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Got anything else to add, man? No, my back's feeling a little better. Good. Keep yeah. keep having the... It always helps. The booze does help. It does help. Yeah. There's a certain relaxing tendency yeah. of it. Anyways, great to see you, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get some podcasts out. Um we kind of move into pod when needed zone now. Yeah, it's not exactly vacation. It's more like a soft retirement, okay. a brief soft retirement. Yeah, I'm just saying from like now to spring ball. It's right. just kind of, there could be out of the blue two in one week. Then we might go sure. two and a half weeks without recording right. anything. If there's a lot of fun, exciting stuff happens, we'll, we'll, we'll sit down and go for it, right? Yep. All right, I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. It's been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.